Do you own firearms? Did you know there's an easy way for you to let everyone around you quickly see whether your firearm is loaded or unloaded? Well, meet muzzlestick, barrel, and chamber flags. Muzzlestick, chamber, and barrel flags offer a quick way for anyone, whether they handle firearms or not, to quickly see the loaded or unloaded status of a firearm. And that could save lives. Are you one of the nearly 80% of firearms owners that keep a loaded gun out of the safe for personal protection, taking an extra safety precaution by using muzzle sticks, big, bright barrel and chamber flags will let everyone around your firearm know if it is loaded or unloaded. Muzzle stick does not recommend keeping a loaded firearm outside of a gun safe, but the reality is that some firearm owners do. Clearly marking a gun status communicates to others around that may or may not have firearm handling experience that it is something that they would not want to handle. Muzzle stick is not intended to replace the rules of firearm safety. However, their chamber and barrel flags give firearms rapid and clear identification, which could result in saved lives. It's time for you to do everything you can to be a safe and responsible firearms owners. Head over to muzzlestick.com. That's M-U-Z-L-S-T-I-K.com today to place your order. After all, we all only have but one life. Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host. Victor and I are recording on Friday the 13th, 2022. Triskaidekaphobia Day. Victor is the Martin and Ely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. Victor is an author of books, columns, essays, etc., much of that you can find at victorhanson.com. We'll talk about that later. It just so happens that Victor and I are talking. We're in the same hotel, different rooms. We're in Wilmington, Delaware. Victor is here in town despite the ravages of the recent COVID attacks. Wait a minute. I uh, want to tell my listeners that I have okay. taken one PCR test and four antigens, and they were all negative. And right. it's been five days since I had a fever. So mm-hmm. I am completely a wiped out and completely non-infectious. Right, that's a mixed bag uh, description. Uh, the wipeout, yeah, I'd rather, especially. I'd rather feel better and then infectious, and I could isolate. Uh, I suppose I would want you to feel the same. Well, uh, but we're here. I'm here anyway because I'm a fan, and Victor is receiving an award tonight from the Intercollegiate Studies Institute for the Book of the Year, which was The Dying Citizen. We've talked about that a lot in the past. If you haven't gotten The Dying Citizen, by the way, go to that aforementioned website, victorhanson.com, order it. Now, we've got a lot to talk about today before Victor gets all suited up for the big event. And the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, China, Red China, and the arrest of the retired bishop, archbishop of Hong Kong, Cardinal Zen, the lockdowns in Shanghai, and maybe Victor too, you might get into uh, some of the pressure of Red China against Taiwan that's percolated in the last couple of days. We'll do all that 
and more right after these important messages. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. We're back with Victor Davis Hansen show. So, Victor, sad news yesterday. Cardinal Zen, the retired Archbishop of Hong Kong, who I've had the honor to meet a couple of times, have lunch with him once, just a wonderful, pious, holy man. He was arrested earlier this week by the Red Chinese forces. He is despised by the government because he is an articulate and persistent foe of the government, and it's cracked down on what little liberty is left, none really in Red China proper, the hint of some in Hong Kong. Sad things besides the arrest, he was released on bail, but there's an expectation that he's going to, going to be prosecuted fully and then be jailed. And he is uh, 92, so he'll probably die in prison. The very tepid and pathetic response of the Vatican, whose uh, foreign policy leadership there is been sucking up to the red Chinese government. So we have that. And then not necessarily related, but since we'll talk about China, has been the uh, savage lockdown, COVID lockdown of the citizens of Shanghai and just massive oppression and locked in your apartments. Good luck if you can get any food. If you get it, it's probably rotten. So there's that, Victor. And the red China military air force was truly pressuring Taiwan this week also. So big jump ball there on Red China. Your thoughts, my friend? Well, it's a type of monolithic system that is incapable of handling any dissent. And so any any person or any entity that's antithetical to the Chinese Communist Party can't survive. So if you're a scientist at Wuhan and you have a narrative of truth that the virus originated through gain of function, you're going to disappear. If you're a Tibetan dissident, you're going to disappear or you're going to be absorbed. And the same thing is true of Hong Kong. So communism is an extreme manifestation of leftism. And remember about leftism, it doesn't believe in the rule of law, it believes in its higher moral appeal. In other words, they are so morally superior, and that being defined as equity or egalitarianism or equality, that they justify any means necessary to achieve them. So in their way of thinking, a cardinal, a bishop, any official of the Catholic Church in Hong Kong either is an agent of their communist apparatus or he's an enemy. There's no middle ground. So to the degree that he represents a dissident voice are going to silence him and his age doesn't matter. The circumstances don't matter. They're capable of anything at any time, anywhere, to anyone. I, I remember that about the left. Victor, 
have you ever met, well, two things. First of all, there are a number of other Catholic bishops loyal to the old Rome, uh, not loyal to the patriotic church, who've been imprisoned on the mainland. So you're right, they don't give a rat's ass uh, if you're wearing a red hat or a purple hat, a high clergy official in uh, Catholicism or any, any religion. Have you ever met Jimmy Lai, who is still in prison, the Hong Kong businessman? And No, I haven't. I haven't. Okay. But these people will disappear. I think that what they usually do is they put them in prison in the archipelago. And then after people forget who they are, they kill them. So the more you don't hear about a person, the closer he's getting to being officially erased in the most literal sense of the word. Victor, any thoughts about Shanghai, different than what you already said? And then any thoughts about Red China's pressure, military pressure campaign on Taiwan? Well, I mean, they believe in this thing called zero COVID, that one COVID case then represents the threat to 1.4 billion people. And by sheer force of government and power, they can stamp out COVID and they can't because people will always fly in or there'll be an inexact test that won't. And this thing mutates. And thanks to them, we're going to have a coronavirus that mutates. And all we can hope for at this point is it starts to resemble the common cold at some point. That is, it mutates and mutates and mutates. And then people who get it three, four or five times develop immunity against it. So when they get it, get it an eighth or ninth time, it just makes them slightly sick. But uh, in my experience, you know, Omicron was was worse than Delta. So it, they don't understand that or they think they can defeat nature and they can't. And so they're going to use the powers of the Communist Party and kill people, jail them, do everything. It's going to be it's like trying to have a sword fight with the wind. It's not going to work as far as. Taiwan, they're just watching, watching, waiting, looking at about six factors, Jack, they're saying to themselves, what is the international reaction to Ukraine? And on the plus side, they're thinking, well, of the 8 billion people in the world, about 5 billion of them's government is not sanctioning Russia. And they need oil and so that's a good thing. Now, do we have oil? No. Do we have goods that the world needs? Maybe. And so they look at that and they look at these javelins and these Panzerfaust Model 3s and the British versions and the drones. And they'll say, how would that work in the hands of highly trained Taiwanese teams if we were to invade? Would they be able to nullify 50, 60 million dollars of artillery platforms, helicopters, even tanks? at a shot like they're doing in Ukraine. Hmm. Now, how does that, what I'm getting at, Jack, is that they don't have any moral input in their calculus. It's just, what does Ukraine tell us about the feasibility, political, financial, economic, cultural, military of taking Taiwan or vis-a-vis absorbing it and slowly strangling it to death, like Tibet, you know, I mean, they invaded Tibet, so that's kind of an improper, imprecise comparison, but that's what they want. It's not because they feel that they need Taiwan. I mean, what do they need another 35 million people for? But it's wealthy, it's there, but it's an insult to their power. And they feel that people will be, I don't know, inspired by Taiwanese resistance or Taiwan's per capita income will be always better. And so as long as it's there, it's an irritant to them. Victor, 
let's move on to um, talk about baby formula, which is not something I ever thought we'd ever talk about on this podcast or any podcast. But, you know, the reality is for many families, millions of families with infants, the baby formula is the food that the baby needs to eat to survive. And I just don't understand how our economy works sometimes, but to kind of impose a shortage, I think it seems to me from news reports, a government overreaction and prolonged shutdown of a major manufacturer of this essential product has now caused a shortage crisis. And not only that, you're seeing in many places, parents are going to look for food for their child, empty shelves. They're also seeing reports that the government has taken what part of what is there and has shipped it down to the, what used to be a border, whatever that is, the Rio Grande, and uh, for supplies for illegal immigrants into America. So their children can have baby formula, but not taxpaying suckers north of the Rio Grande. So, Victor, I think that's not a comical topic. I think it's a serious topic in many ways. It shows the brutality of the administrative state, the obtuseness of the administrative state, the callousness of it. Your thoughts, my friend? Well, we've talked about this. And remember, they don't care, Jack. They don't care. They love humanity so much that they don't have to worry about humans. As I said earlier with Sammy, if you're driving down the 99 and you're in a diesel semi and you cannot live and live paying $7 a gallon for diesel, they don't care. They don't care. And as far as baby formula, whether it's Infamil or Similac or whatever it is, they feel hmm, every professional woman in, you know, Palo Alto or I don't know, Atherton or the Upper West Side breastfeeds. So who are these people that use artificial formula, even though there's, you know, dozens of formulas and they have everything, you know, and as father of three children, I remember there was lactose free, there's casein free, there's all sorts of anti-allergic, there's fortified formulas. They're all tailor-made to particular children that have problems with either breast milk or with just milk or things. And so it's a real problem. There's two themes here, Jack. One is the nonchalance. They don't care. Maybe if you have a green angle to it or something, they would care. But they do care about illegal aliens. And that means that you have to have pallets in storage. And they're not going to take, believe me, they won't take those pallets away from those storage because they like illegal aliens more than citizens, which brings up the second thing. And I going to talk about the dying citizen tonight at a, at a gathering. And the citizen they don't like, they like people who are alternatives to the citizen. And one of them is illegal aliens. So they feel, you know what, these are noble creatures who haven't been corrupted by the American system. We can get to them before they're fully assimilated and integrated and, and ruined. And therefore, we need every possible help lever for them. But, you know, the average guy that lives in Des Moines, what the blank do we care about them? Go get your baby formula. That's the attitude that they have. They really are callous people. I think people, you can really see that with Joe Biden when people come up and, you know, when the topic comes up, I should say, about inflation or price of fuels, he gets angry. 
and he starts yelling and starts blaming people. So much so that even left-wing newspapers and media services are starting to, to notice. He gets angry. He doesn't care. He cares about Hunter, cares about the family syndicate. But other than that, he doesn't have a, you know, the FBI, go get my daughter's diary. FBI, keep that laptop on hold until the election is over. FBI, make sure that nobody probes too deeply into my financial records. That's the way he, he operates. But other people, I don't care about them. That's their problem. He's not good old Joe Biden from Scranton. So this is not going to be solved by Joe Biden. It's not as if we haven't had a supply crisis in the supply chain for months on end. And I guess there was a factory that was shut down and the FDA got involved. Okay. But there was no urgency to get it back up. That's what right. I'm trying to say. You think there right. would be. You think there'd be an urgency about inflation or fuels. You think he'd have a summit and we're going to build Keystone to get 900,000 mm-hmm. uh, barrels of oil from Canada right now. He just canceled federal leases offshore and then Alaska, more leases he did not put up for sale. He doesn't care. It's these people. I've grown up with them. I've been to school with them. I know them. And they're the weirdest bunch of comfortable, leisured, affluent, left-wing, sanctimonious people. And they don't care about average people. They feel they're average for a reason. They're not woke and they deserve what they get. They're in their proper slots. They're the losers of globalization. And, you know, they're red state, irredeemables, chumps, dregs, deplorables, clingers. That's about it. Yeah. Well, Victor, some other important things are happening worthy of your commentary, I hope and pray. One of them is the uh, January 6th committee going after House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy and some other Republicans. And we'll get your thoughts on that right after these important messages. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson show. We're recording from the People's Republic of Delaware. Not too, gosh, I can imagine Victor downstairs from where you and I are both right now. I assume good old Scranton Joe, he was doing a good old Wilmington Joe act once upon a time, probably regaling people, which is how great he was down at the bar, the Hotel DuPont. But later on tonight, let's see if we can get any gossip on Joe. Hey, folks, should 
be reading about what you write about Joe Biden and anything else. They can find everything you write at victorhanson.com. Not everything you write, though, can be read for free. There is a subscription because there's an awful lot of content that you write that is privileged. It's called Ultra. It's $5 a month, $50 for a year. If someone is interested, I want to check this out. Spend the five bucks. Test drive, victorhanson.com. You will like it. And then you should subscribe for the full year. So that's victorhanson.com. As for me, I'd, I would appreciate it if you consider signing up for my free weekly email newsletter. It's called Civil Thoughts, and you can find that at civilthoughts.com. Hey, every week comes out on Fridays and gives you 12, 13 recommended readings from the previous week. No risk. Your name's not being sold to anybody, et cetera. So that's civilthoughts.com, a product of the uh, Center for Civil Society at American Philanthropic. So thanks for that. So, Victor. I'm looking at a story right now from the Associated Press, Washington AP. House panel issued subpoenas Thursday to House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy and four other GOP lawmakers in its probe into the what they call, quote unquote, violent January 6th insurrection. That's the AP's language. An extraordinary step that is little precedent and is certain to further inflame partisan tensions over the 2021 attack. It's investigating McCarthy over his conversations with Donald Trump on January 6th of 2021. So the people being subpoenaed are McCarthy and then Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania, Andy Biggs of Arizona, and Mo Brooks of Alabama. Final quote here, the move is not without risk. As Republicans are favored to capture back the House majority in this Falls midterm election and have promised retribution for Democrats if they take control. Victor, I'll shut up in 15 seconds to see this story and to see some cable systems reporting ad nauseum on this particular story, as they have on every crumb or contrived contrivance about January 6th. Meanwhile, the reality of America being the gas prices, etc. People do not give a rat's patoot about this, by and large. No, they still, don't. Still, the Democrats push ahead. So what are your thoughts on this tactic here of going after Kevin McCarthy? And well, it's company? been two years, hasn't it? I mean, we're getting into the second year, I should say, since January 6th. And for them, the Democratic Congressional Committee dominated. Remember what they've done. They have told Kevin McCarthy that, unlike every other committee that either party allows to be formed, i.e. when Republicans are in the majority, they allow Democrats to select their own members. This isn't going to happen. So we're going to select and tell you which Republicans can serve on our committee. And and we only have, what, two of them? And so we're going to try to drag this out as long as we can, because there is no other issue that we can run on. We have nothing. We don't want to talk about the border inflation, as you said, gasoline, Afghanistan, critical race theory, crime, any of that. We have a very small and shrinking repertoire. We have the fear of COVID and their lockdown. They've mentioned that lately. We have the Ukrainian war and Vladimir Putin's price hike. We've mentioned that a lot. We've had the democracy dies in darkness fear that if a Trump candidate might 
win in the midterms. That's sworn. We have Trump himself that they seem to be running about. We have a new boogeyman, Jack, called Ultra MAGA. Kind of think I'm mad, mad about that because you can get an ultra VDH uh, firewall. I don't think there's anything bad about ultra VDH. Is ultra MAGA just means more MAGA? I don't know, but it seems like a lot of people are going to say, yeah, I like ultra MAGA. But the point is that that's the context in which January 6th is. And so it's been around for a year and a half or whatever, and they're going to keep milking it and they have to come up with news. So they've got Kevin McCarthy, according to a recent book, you know, was very critical of Trump and they want to bring him under oath and they want to say, did you say this? And if he doesn't, they'll say, you know, you committed perjury. But if he does, they'll say, oh, Kevin McCarthy attacked Trump. So it's a lose-lose situation for him. And they'll say he was, you know, but they won't ever quite say he was courageous. He took on Trump. No, it's more, you know, to embarrass him with Trump. And the same as of the other people who were called. And the next question is, if we get back to this thing we talked about, New Testament and Old Testament 2023 Republicans. So what's the answer to this? Because they're going to lose the House, and I think they're going to lose the Senate is the answer to just say, you know what, we do not want to lower ourselves to the shenanigans and the antics of what the Democrats did well in the majority. And we refuse to violate the markers of Queensbury rules. We're just not going to do it. Or is it, you know what, these people don't get it, that most of the country now has had their belly full of them, and they're never going to do this to us again, because we are going to impeach Joe Biden for not fulfilling his oath of office by faithfully executing the laws. He just simply wouldn't do it in the case of immigration. And we are not going to allow the squad to be on any more committees. They're, you know what? They're just too volatile to use Nancy Pelosi's terminology. We just don't think they can be disinterested. So we don't want any of those people on committees. And we're going to maybe, you know, as I said earlier, Kevin McCarthy might just get really angry at Joe Biden and tear up his speech on national television. That is more likely to be seen once they do stuff like this. Tit for tat, tit for tat, fit for tat. I don't know why they do that. I mean, I know why they do it, but it doesn't well, it's Victor, not going to work. It's not going to work. But it's not only tit for tat. I mean, you're right. You, you, I don't disagree with you. But there is such a thing as righteous anger. And uh, to put it in uh, not biblical terms, but movie terms, because you and I have talked uh, several times lately about movies and, of course, your favorite movie, Shane. And I, I wanted to say, like, I love the, the moment in that movie where Shane is getting his butt stomped and Joe Starrett <laughs> realize that and he goes in and he grabs he grabs the axe handle and goes they're not going in for marcus of queensbury but there's a fight and and we're gonna fight it jack violence never solves anything well i think it solves things sometimes. no i know what you mean. Uh, i mean yeah. you didn't like when jack wilson <laughs> and he says that you low down yankee liar right so yeah. uh yeah well i think republicans are gonna have to caucus and decide what it takes. And, you know, so the Democrats have it all one way. You know, there's talking, Elizabeth Warren is now talking about packing the court. We still have the national voter law they want to, you know, resurrect so that you can have no state validating requiring IDs. They are still going beating the dead horse of electoral college. They still are fixated on the filibuster. They're fixated on every single rule and regulation that doesn't favor them right now. And, you know, 
Republicans didn't like the liberal Warren court, but they didn't try to pack it. Barack Obama filibustered the Alito appointment, but they didn't get rid of the. I mean, they complained about stalling and all that, but they didn't get rid of the filibuster. Uh, you can still have it. Right. And the same thing, I mean, I don't think the Republicans would try to get rid of the Electoral College if they won the popular vote and they lost. It's happened in the past. So this is a new progressive Jacobin wing. And that's like, if I don't win, then we're going to change the rules. And we have the presidency and we have the House and we have the Senate and we still can't win. Now, why is this happening? And so we've got to change the rules. That's how they look at all of this. Right. The Republicans are going to have to react. And this January 6th committee is one of the ways. That, you know, I would love to see, Jack, a Hunter Biden, Biden family committee. Right. In 2000. I would love to see a House Special Select Committee on the FBI. And I would like to interview Kevin Kleinsmith. And I'd like to interview Mr. Sussman, and I'd like to interview James Comey and Andrew McCabe and Christopher Ray and all of them. And I would put them under oath. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see a thing with the CIA where we bring back Brennan or Clapper on the director of national intelligence. But I don't know to what degree the public has been there, done that. And that's ancient history. But I don't know how you ever make those people accountable because they have this asymmetry. They feel, you know what? We are so moral people that they just, they deserve what they get, the Republicans right. and the right. And you know what? Now they're just, when we investigate people, it's for principle. When they do it, it's just out of retaliation. And then they infect the media and then we go to town with all this propaganda. Right. And it well, just, we know it's coming. We, we know what they're doing. And they're going to lose the midterms and they're desperate. And the thing about Liz Cheney that I don't understand is, if she really believes all this, why doesn't she simultaneously be a loner on that committee? In other words, she's attacking this new democratic effort to beef up Roe versus Wade. Or why isn't she demanding answers to Afghanistan? Or why isn't she worried about critical race theory? Or why isn't she hammering them on crime or defunding? Why is it just this thing? That's what I don't understand. And actually, Jack, about the whole never Trumper. I don't think that word even exists anymore. Never Trumpism is over with. It's basically an ossified term that means that you were basically a progressive and liberal, but there wasn't enough money in it or there wasn't enough careerism or you made the wrong career choice a few years ago. And there was an opportunity to get back and raise a bunch of left wing money as a phony conservative. And now... You're where you always wanted to be. You're a left winger right. and you can still use this never Trump on conservative just to milk out a few more dollars. But otherwise, it's, you're not conservative. Yeah, if you look thinks- at you look at Bill Crystal, Victor, and his tweeting. And I hear Bill Crystal once upon a time through the Weekly Standard strong on opposition to Roe v. Wade. And he's the pinup boy for this. Not a single thing that he never uh, was. He never did yeah, believe that right. That's the Roe point. Versus Wade was a overreach of a court should have been the states. He's always Jennifer Rubin, Max Booth. They're all where they all wanted to be. They always wanted to be here. And the problem was that 
they couldn't leave the conservative movement because it was very lucrative. They ran magazines, they were on TV, they had speaking gigs. And for them, it was just Inc. Incorporated. And then Trump came along and they thought, you know what? In our infinite wisdom, we'll just declare him persona non grata and he'll disappear because we are so gifted and anointed and powerful. And they did. And suddenly Donald Trump didn't know who they were and he didn't matter what they said. And it was like, yeah. the emperor has no clothes. The curtain is pulled yeah. on the, the Wizard of Oz. It's just a bunch of gears and levers. And once that was taken away, then the question was, well, are they going to write incisive books? Uh, is Bill Crystal going to come out with his magnum opus? Not to say that some of them didn't. Max Boot wrote some very good books. But is he going to continue to do that? And the answer is probably, what else is there? There's no there there. And that's what they're very frustrated about. How do we get back as players in the political media scene? We married right. We live in the right zip code. We're where the action is. And they took the action away. And it was that damn Donald Trump. And he hijacked that party and he turned it over to a bunch of yokels. Now we need to get it back and they're not going to get it back. So now they say, well... I really didn't want to be part of that anyway. And I feel much more comfortable with left-wing bi-coastal professionals of which I'm a member. Yeah. Well, they click their ruby red slippers together and they are, they are home and happy, happily. So it seems, well, Victor, I know you're a little beaten up. So we're going to just talk about one more short thing of today's program. We'll do that right after this important message. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show, recording on Friday the 13th, 2022. We're in Wilmington, Delaware. I have a feeling that uh, Intercollegiate Studies Institute will do something related to your speech, Victor, probably tape it, YouTube, so it'll eventually find its way into the world wide webs. But folks should check out ISI, as it's known, isi.org. It's a great institution. It's been around for 70 or so years and has been really done wonderful work in the academy, fighting overmatched, but still punching. So Victor, speaking of the academy, a good friend died earlier this week. He was a friend of mine. I know he was a fan of yours, John Leo. John was beyond 85. He was, he's been over the last couple of years. If people remember U.S. News and World Report, the magazine, yes. the weekly magazine, they'll he remember John. There, he, he? Yeah, he oh, he column. did. Yeah, it was a terrific, terrific column. And I, I actually reviewed a lot. And I look back, 1994, review of a book John had written. It was a collection. It was called Two Steps Ahead of the Thought Police. And one of the great things about John Leo was that he really was one of the first people out there who had the number on this political correctness and the culture war that was going on. He wrote about it regularly in a major magazine that a lot of people read. And then after he left U.S. News, he ran uh, through the Manhattan Institute. 
He ran the organization Minding the Campus. So he was very, very concerned about what was happening in the academy. A good man passed away. Rest in peace, Victor. I know he'd written about you in defense of you. In fact, some attack on you about 10 years ago. Anyway, you have any thoughts about John? Like yeah, he, he, he would write me once in a while and he'd send me things. And I was thinking about that. I liked him. I think he had been a, early on, am I mistaken, kind of a liberal or man of the left? He was a kind of a lefty Catholic. He wrote for that yeah. Catholic magazine, Commonweal, but he moved. Maybe he's one of those early, you know, I stood in place and everything else moved left while I stayed where I was. But yeah, he was of the left. Yeah. And so, and then he, he saw that there wasn't a left anymore, that it was a hard, hard, hard progressive Jacobin party. And I think that bothered him. He wrote a column, and I, I'm just doing this from memory, but it was on rap music. Anyway, he wrote a couple of columns. And I'm just thinking that this was probably bef- maybe right about the time of Al Gore's wife, Tipper Gore. Remember how she was talking about Hollywood? I'm just remembering that because there was a time in America that African-American leaders and liberal Democrats said this kill the bitch, kill Popo, Popo, all of that. Kendrick Lamar, remember, had that Pimp a Butterfly album where he went to the White House and he talked to one of the songs that Obama was so gaga about had the Mm -hmm. kill Popo, president of the United States honoring somebody's lyrics, talked about killing police people. But my point is this, is that all of that just, it doesn't exist anymore. You couldn't do that today. You couldn't say, I'm really worried about the effect of rap music and gangster rap on the treatment of women and the sanctity of the police and crime in general. You just couldn't do it. And will there become a time when you can do it? When John Leo's common sense advice will be taken seriously. See, I think, we're going to get to that point, Jack, and like the Jacobins that disappeared very quickly, I have no need to remind people how they disappeared. I don't think these people have any popular support. And there's a lot of people who are just saying, you know what, <laughs> we're not going to allow that critical race crap in our books. I am sorry. And you know what, you're not going to run out of town, Dave Chappelle. He's just too valuable. A comedian. Even Netflix, I think, flipped now, and they're giving these little soapbox speeches about, oh, we protect integrity and free speech. Right. They looked at the bottom line and thought, uh-oh. Right. Full woke cost us 200,000 subscribers, and Dave Chappelle is standing. We're not. We better flip. My point is they have no independent judgment. It's all about the majority. And when you're in the corporate world, it's about money. And so I think at some point of all of us just say, I don't want to say this because you'll think I'm Cory Booker, but I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus. And it'll disappear. And I try to have that attitude of contempt for these people because they're opportunists. And they're just so many of them in their late 20s and early 30s. And they write these little blogs or columns. They have no knowledge. They don't write books. They don't do research. They're not intellectual at all. And it's just so boring. Diversity, equity, inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion, diversity, equity, inclusion. As a person of color, and they can't talk about an idea without self-identification. And I think everybody's trying to say, you know what, I'm just a comedian. I'm not a black comedian. That press secretary, you know, gosh, we had to hear all of the identifications that she has. She's the first gay woman. She is the first black 
gay, black, gay woman press secretary. I mean, how many? But it was never she has a distinguished record of journalism or publications or she has a long. No, she's a person that, you know, just would get a fly off the handle and say Fox is liars or, you know, Stacey Abrams won the election. So she was a crackpot. And somebody needs to say that. (laughs) There's a hierarchy, though, right? I mean, you got the deacon, the priest, the monsignor, the bishop, the archbishop, the cardinal, the pope. And uh, the more of those uh, you can pull out on black, et cetera, it's the whole intersectionality thing. I don't know, Sam. I'm Jean-Pierre woman. Remember this person, Jean-Pierre? I remember Saki left. I was in a car and I heard her say, and she brings her brilliance to the job. Well, what was that brilliance? Just tell me what it was. What was it? What charge did she make that was substantiated? Did Hillary Clinton really win the 2016 election? Is Dave Abram really the governor? Right. Is Fox News, you know, full of liars? Tell me who lies. Tell me exactly compared to MSNBC or CNN. Just tell me the proof, but don't say she's brilliant and then go off into this, you know, sex, gender stuff, stuff, sexual. I don't know what it is, but. Everybody's just tired. People are people. And they don't need to have all this self-identification. It reminds me again, I talked to Sammy about that. It's it's like the old South where you have to identify as a white plantationist. And we're going to find out if your great-great-grandmother was black. Well, now it's we're going to find out whether your great-great-grandfather is black because it's it's inverse. It's valuable. Whereas before, it was, it's still racist either way. Yeah, well, one one thousand twenty fourth Cherokee. You know, how long can you milk that kind of stuff? Well, Victor, Elizabeth we're running. Warren milked it all the way to a Harvard professorship, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she what a freaking phony. But she had well, high cheekbones, <laughs> and she knew some some recipe. So, Victor, you bring your brilliance. She every stole week. some recipe. You mean? <laughs> She well, did. she found it. Yeah, well, she found it on the Trail of Tears or something. So, uh, yeah, I think it's now four times a week. And folks, it may soon be six times a week. You bring your brilliance. But I have to say, I have brought a fundamental unbrilliance weekly. Now, I want to every week at this point in the program, I thank people for listening. And since we've been on National Review back in the day, thank you if you listen on Google, Stitcher, etc. iTunes, blah, blah, blah. Well, I got an email the other day. I have to read this from James White of Rockledge, Florida. Dear Mr. Fowler, I enjoy your podcast with VDH. However, you often refer to iTunes and ask for five-star ratings. Apple moved away from iTunes as a product about two years ago. The (laughs) Apple product was renamed to Apple Podcasts for podcasts and Apple Music for music, respectfully. It makes you sound out of touch, especially for a younger audience, to persist in using the iTunes product name. iTunes is a product that no longer exists, even on my obsolete MacBook and iPhone. Sincerely, James White. So, thank James, I appreciate you saying me straight, educating me on this. It's greatly appreciated. So, I will say, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, please consider leaving a review disregard the host just victor he deserves five stars i hope you will consider that so victor also we do read the reviews that people leave on 
Apple Podcasts. Here's one I'd like to share. It's from JLDSAR, who writes, well, I became acquainted with BDH years ago on trips to Greece and Rome. His scholarship never ceases to amaze, but he is more than a scholar. He is a reluctant hero, just as in his favorite Westerns, vanquishing the forces of evil and ignorance with spoken and written word rather than a gun. Never too long for me. And you can tell he means it when he signs off with a gentlemanly thank you for listening. And if I may, one other comment. This is left by 32 Nash. Common sense, it's titled. As an auto mechanic and fleet manager, I am required to work within the bounds of reality daily. None of the elite's esoteric ideas can be applied here, obviously. <laughs> it's so ref- yeah, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> it is so refreshing to hear Mr. Hansen point out the lack of realism and practical application in the left wing's ideas. The best of the best. Thank you. 32 Nash. Thank you, 32 Nash. I think he means right. that he holds up a strut and he can't say, this is just right. a mere construct of a capitalist exploitive society. It has no real meaning or existence. Yeah. Or he can't say, okay, I've got to get this transmission out. How many people have taken it out this week by race, class, and gender? And I've got to, <laughs> he can't do that. And right. the people who can do it apparently do it is what he's saying. And the funny thing about it is that when the people who do these things need their car, they never go to his garage and says, well, you know, I want my transmission fixed, but I want to know the race and the class and the gender and the proportional representation of your mechanic. And before you do that, I want to know your fossil fuel footprint. (laughs) As you're doing this, I got to know. They never do that, do they? Well, a mechanic. They, know the, they know the social security status of the illegal domestic they've hired to be the nanny for their kids. So. <laughs> that's all right, so that's strange. me. It's all these double rules. There's rules for all of us, and then there's rules for these people who make the rules. That yeah. Joe Whether it's mask or super spreader events or Joe Biden, <laughs> we're using the FBI as a retrieval service for his wayward progeny. My God. Well, that's it comes with the territory, right? Bill de Blasio, you know. Does he owe a lot of money to New York City for? He does. He does. Usually, you know, the cops had to go get his laundry or when he moved. I thought left wing people didn't do that. I thought they were they loved doing tasks of the proletariat. They were (laughs) men of the people. You know, it's it's so funny about these people. I would remind everybody listening that remember one thing. If we try to communicate any idea today that for a great majority of the left, progressive ideology, virtue signaling is a psychological mechanism. It comes out of guilt or it tries to square an impossible circle. It is people who do not feel comfortable with average people, people who look down on average people, people who even feel guilty about looking down on average people. So they want to continue their privileged elite lifestyle, and they build an enormous facade of progressivism and damage millions of people so that they feel good about themselves with one proviso. These never, my ideological constructs and pernicious laws, protocols, programs never apply to me or my own family. And that's all you need to know about the progressive mind. Amen. I discovered that about me. At 25. I had a professor that told me that I was at UC, uh, excuse me, about 19. I was at 
UC Santa Cruz. And I said, wow, this professor is telling everybody that this is society is falling apart and we need to go out and protest and destroy it and have sex and drugs. And he's got three Bobos. <laughs> and the professor said to me, and he lives at Pasta Tiempo Golf Course, too. And I said, well, how can that be? And he said, how can it not be, Victor? Come on. And so that was my introduction to the world of left-wing hypocrisy and paradox. It's uh, alive and well, but will be stomped in short order. Victor, that's all the time we have. I, you need to go take a nap. That's my uh, medical advice. Oh, good. So, I'll <laughs> take a COVID, post-COVID. Post-COVID-induced. Post, post, post post I just wiped out. I don't know what you call it. No, I'm not, I don't have long COVID yet because I'm just typical. Well, I haven't hit the two weeks yet. You share a pretty uh, solid wisdom, even in your state of funk. So thanks for that, for everything, Victor. And thanks to our listeners for listening. Thank you for uh, listening, another everybody. Episode. I appreciate listening to us. I hope it's still at a level that I'm capable of. I'm trying my best. Thank you. For it's listening. there. Bye-bye.